Uh, y'all, I'm, I'm pumped about the message that I'm going to be preaching to you this morning. Uh, how many of you had a good Thanksgiving? How many of you would be honest and say that there's probably a good chance that you need to be at the altar this morning because you may have sinned with gluttony this week? Listen, Pastor Brian always says that it's not gluttony unless you throw up. I don't know that that's accurate. It's probably not. But I just kind of use that as a, if I didn't puke, maybe I didn't say, I'm just kidding. Uh, and so uh, I'm very excited about what I'm going to be speaking to you today. Um, the message that I'm going to be preaching for you, uh, with you today came from a prayer meeting that we had about four weeks ago. So we have a prayer meeting every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock uh, from 9 to 10, sometimes 9.45. Uh, we pray and just just led by the Holy Spirit. It's, uh, we, I give some, some thoughts for the week, and then we dive into prayer, and then there's prophetic words that are given and, and different pieces. And the message that I'm going to be preaching to you today came directly out of our prayer meeting from four weeks ago. Um, I, I don't think it was coincidence. I believe it was a message then for our prayer team, and I believe it's a message today for our church. So I'm really, really pumped. I did say that to say that usually I almost always preach in a collection. So I'll have a series of five weeks, four weeks, six weeks. This is a week that's going to be a standalone message. Uh, so we just finished, no offense, but, uh, and we're moving into next week. I don't know yet, actually. I was going to preach a series called Shock and Awe. I don't know if we're going to do Shock and Awe, if we're going to dive into something worship. I'm just kind of waiting for some direction from the Lord. Uh, but so this message is a message that's standalone. It's by itself. It's one week. And the title of the message, if you're taking notes, is Under Pressure. Now, I'd like to kick us off in prayer, and then if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? God, I, I can sense that you're doing something in this room. Father, you've already been speaking on this topic during worship, things that you shared in prayer time. Father, I, I could tell that people were, were feeling tension and pressure as we were praying. Father, and I just pray this morning that that pressure would be released. I pray that you would supernaturally come in and that we would trade pressure for peace. Yeah. Father, I just pray that right now over our people. You open up our eyes and ears to hear and receive what you have for us to hear and receive this morning. And God, you do what you want to do in this place. In your precious name, I pray. Everybody said? Amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Let me give you a little bit of Revelation. Anybody ever read Revelation? Can you imagine trying to read Revelation without the rest of the Bible? That you'd be in total trouble. It's already confusing enough, amen? But trying to read it without the rest of the Bible. So Revelation chapter 2, there's, I'm sure all of you that have read Revelation, you know what I'm talking about. But, but for those of you that maybe are not as familiar with the Bible, there's seven, seven letters to seven churches in Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's seven letters. And so uh, John is actually on this island and God speaks to him. He shows them this vision and he says, I want you to write these letters to the seven churches. And so the very first letter starts in Revelation chapter 2. John begins writing verses 1 through 7 is to the church in Ephesus. Everybody say Ephesus. And so what you see in most of these letters is seven of them. What you see in most of them is God will give them a encouragement. Hey, this is what you're doing really good. And then he'll sandwich that with like a reproof or a rebuke. And he'll say, this is what I have against you. Anybody ever had one of those meetings? You go into a meeting, somebody like builds you up and then they tear you down and then they try to build you back up again. So that's kind of what we see in the letters. Like you see God encouraging them and then you see God giving them a reproof. This is what I have against you. This is what you need to change. And then it ends with kind of an encouragement to change. 
And so most of the letters are that way. This letter is the church in Smyrna. Everybody say Smyrna. And I love the fact that he doesn't actually have a rebuke for the church in Smyrna. It's all encouragement. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want Clawson to be that church like God doesn't have a rebuke for. Oh, come on, y'all. Y'all don't want that too? I, want, I don't want God to come to us and say, hey, let me give you some encouragement. But then let me tell you, I have this against you. And so Smyrna is this church. There's two of them, actually, two, two letters to two churches that God, does, God doesn't have a rebuke for. It's all encouragement. Let, let, let me just encourage you. Today is a day of encouragement. Today is a day that I believe because we're going through the pressure that we're going through in our lives, that God wants to speak some encouragement to church people today. Anybody feel like you might need to be encouraged? Okay, let's read this. Let's read this letter. Revelation chapter two. We're going to start reading in verse eight. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. I just want to stop there real quickly. And I want to say when it refers to the angel in the church in Smyrna, most in fact, all that I've ever read, theologians believe that when it says angel, it's talking about the pastor. It's the overseer of the church in Smyrna. Every one of them start that way. So write this letter to the pastor of the church in Smyrna so that he can share it with the church. That's, that's the purpose of that. This is the message, check this out, from the one who is first and the last, the one who was dead and is now alive. Okay, who's the message from? It's from Jesus. Okay, so write this letter to the pastor in Smyrna. The letter is from the one who was dead and is now alive, who is? Wonderful. You guys are great. All right, let's keep going. I know about your suffering and your poverty. Check this out. But you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those that oppose you. They say that they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer the devil will throw some of you into prison to test you, and you will suffer for 10 days. I like this next part. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you a crown of life. Verse 11, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Y'all got a lot of content, so we're going to dive right in. We're going to... We got a long ways to go. Everybody ready? Okay, so the title to this morning, I, I've been singing Queen all week. Under pressure. Anybody? Pressure pushing down on me. Okay, we're going to act like that didn't happen because y'all didn't go with me. How many of y'all know that song? Y'all didn't just should have helped me out. I'm giving you a public rebuke right now. You should have helped me out. Okay, so listen, the title is, is, um, is Under Pressure. A little bit about the church in Smyrna. Okay, so I want you to understand Smyrna. Everybody say Smyrna. Smyrna. And Smyrna is what? It's a church in a city. The city is Smyrna. So let me tell you a little bit about Smyrna so you can kind of understand what's going on and why Jesus is giving them this encouragement. In Smyrna, Smyrna was very, very um, um, good with the capital. They, they were, they, they, what's the word I'm looking for? Supportive. Supportive of the capital. They were supportive of Caesar. And at this point, Caesar had pretty much mandated that everyone was going to have to give this Caesar type of worship. And so the church in Smyrna was not okay. They were a, the, the, Smyrna was a city that was very much about the capital. So most of the city is worshiping Caesar now. And the church in Smyrna is being faithful to God. And they're like, no, 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 no. We ain't doing that. We worshiping God. Somebody say amen. 
And so what's happening is they are being rebuked and they are being mocked and they are being persecuted against because they are being faithful to God. And so God writes them this letter and he wants to show them and encourage them on their faithfulness. And he says to them, listen to this, I know about your suffering and your poverty. You ever feel like that you are alone in your suffering? Anybody? Sometimes I think that we, we feel like no one sees or no one understands all of the pain that I'm going through. I, I ain't gonna lie, I feel like that sometimes. Can I encourage you this morning? Listen, we serve a God. Here's what he says. We feel like so many times no one even cares about what we're going through on a daily basis, but I want to encourage you that God knows what you're going through. Here's what he tells them. I see and know the suffering in your poverty, but you are rich. Listen, Jesus not only knows what you're going through, but he can relate to what you're going through. Isaiah says that he was pierced for our transgressions, that he was crushed for our iniquities. Y'all, Jesus was put under some pressure. In Hebrews, it says, Hebrews chapter four and verse 15, it says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings that we do and he did not sin. Let me give you some encouragement this morning. Some of you, you may be sitting there, we may be in a place where we feel like that we're alone in our suffering, where we feel like we just can't get past this place that we're in. Jesus not only sees that you are suffering, he's here to encourage you today that he's got your back, that he's with you in the suffering, that he can relate to the suffering and he wants to encourage you with that. Amen. I don't know what kind of pressure that you're facing today. I'm not going to pretend like I can relate, but I know that he can relate and he sees you. You know, some pressure that we go through is due to our own stupidity. Anybody ever do something dumb? Okay. I'm there with you. I got hands and feet up. I've done some dumb things. And you know what happens when you do dumb things? You're under pressure because your stupidity brought on some pressure. Anybody ever sin? You know what happens when you sin? Not only are you under pressure from this guilt, but you are under pressure because now you are separated more from God. When you sin, you're under pressure. Sometimes our pressure is due to doing stupid things in our life. And because we did something stupid, now we're living in this pressure. But then sometimes, and this is, this is the message that John has to the church right here, sometimes the pressure is not due to anything that we did. He's speaking to the church in, in Smyrna and he tells them, I know that you're under pressure and you're under pressure, not because of your stupidity, you're under pressure because you're serving me. You're under pressure because you're faithful. You ever feel like that Satan's just got it out for you? Like you're staying faithful. Maybe you just got saved and you're like, I'm done with all this junk and all this sin and you're walking the straight line and God is with you and it's like Satan is trying to knock you smooth out. Anybody? So there's different kinds of pressure in our life. Some pressure is due to our stupidity. Some pressure is because we're walking in faithfulness to God. And this is the message to the church this morning that that John has given, that Jesus has given to the church. I know the pressure that you're going through because of your faithfulness to me, I see it. 
I know none of us want to hear this or believe this, but following Jesus does not mean that my pressure disappears. As a matter of fact, as you follow Jesus, you should know up front, pressure is coming your way. That's an encouraging word, isn't it? When I follow Jesus, pressure is coming my way. Why? Because I'm irritating Satan. And that's what the church in Smyrna is experiencing. Listen, I heard this quote this week. You might want to write it down. It's good. A church cannot be a true church without causing a little trouble. I love that. Anybody else like that this morning? A church cannot be a true church without causing a little bit of trouble. Listen, when you start representing Jesus, Jesus caused a lot of trouble. Matter of fact, he caused so much trouble they killed him for it. And so if a church is following Jesus, trouble is going to follow. I saw this this week and I thought it was so good. John White, the Canadian psychiatrist, said this. And this has to do with, it's, it's not you that Satan's coming after, it's the God in you. Listen to this. Satan's supreme object is to hurt Christ and Christ's cause. You personally are of, of no interest to him. It's only as you relate to Christ that you assume significance in the eyes of the enemy. Isn't that cool? What you, what you saying? I'm saying the closer that you get to Jesus, the more irritated that Satan gets with you. So the closer that I get to Jesus, the more pressure that I can expect from the enemy. Now, I'm saying a lot of things that, that's tough, but really it's getting to some encouragement, I promise. It's not you, it's the God in you. If you do what God leads you to do, then you should expect opposition. This may not be a word for everyone in the room. Some of us, it may be our pressures are in our life because of our stupidity, but I believe that God wants to speak a word to some people in the room and says, and he's saying to you, keep being faithful. You're being tempted to step away. You're being tempted to go back to drinking. You're being tempted to pick up back drugs. You're being tempted to do this. And God's saying, baby, I got you. If you will just stay with me, if you will just stay faithful, if you'll stay faithful under pressure, the good things are coming. Someone say, I'm under pressure. But he is faithful. So I want to encourage you this morning to persevere under pressure. Now, here's where I want to begin to dive a little bit deeper. Anyone want to go deeper? Pressure has a purpose. So what's the purpose of pressure? Why did God allow them to go through the pressure. I, I've asked that before. Why did God allow them? If they're being faithful, why not just smite the enemy? It makes sense to me. Anybody else? If they're being faithful, why are you sending them an encouraging word telling them you're going to prison? That's not encouraging. Why, why, why doesn't he just change the circumstances? Here's why. Because there's a purpose to your pressure. I want to share with you two points this morning. Point number one is this. Pressure proves. What does pressure prove? Pressure proves what you can handle. I can go a thousand different ways with this. As I wrote in my notes, pressure proves, the very first thing that I thought about, Shane, you're going to laugh at this, was about seven or eight years ago, we had a family camp. Anybody remember family camp? Anybody believe we need to bring it back? 
<laughs> I don't know. That was crazy, y'all. And so we had family camp. And, and when we had family camp, we did tug of war. Y'all remember the game tug of war? It's where like this half of the church goes against this half of the church. You got this rope that goes through and everybody pulls. And we see which one of y'all are better under pressure. And so we get this rope out and we get like 12 people on this side. We get like 12 people on this side. When we said go and Shane started pulling, I knew we was in trouble. I wasn't on a team. What I mean is I heard the rope and the rope began to go. And I was like, oh, snap. All of a sudden, boom, Shane goes flying through the air. Rope breaks in half. And I think he broke it. Did you break your wrist? Broke your finger? He broke something. Hey, listen, you know what I found out? That rope could not handle Shane's muscles. It's too much. Too much for him. Listen, you, you can find out how much somebody can handle under pressure. You know what else pressure proves? Some of y'all ready for this one. Pressure proves who the snitches are. Anybody ever done something stupid with a group of people? And then rumors started getting out that you did something stupid? What happened, if you're in school, then the principal takes care of this. If you're an adult, then Quentin takes care of this. I mean, the police officers take care of this. And here's what happens. So listen, they don't bring you in as a group. You know why they don't bring you in as a group? Because they want to apply pressure to each and every one of you to see what you can handle. And so nobody's a snitch until you get in a room and they start applying pressure. And then what happens is the people that you don't think would ever snitch, they snitch. And the people that you thought, man, they're going to they do it. Man, they're strong. They can handle Pressure proves how much you can handle. Pressure also proves who's real. Pressure proves who's reliable, who can be trusted, who is faithful. Like Jesus is talking about in this word, in this, in this letter to this church. Going back to our text for the day, Jesus said to the church in Smyrna, I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. You know what he's saying? Because of what you have gone through and you've made it out on the other side and you've stayed faithful this whole time, you are rich. You may not even understand that you're rich, but faithfulness has proved that you are rich. You're rich in what's going on inside of here, but you are rich. Let's go back to this. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer He's saying the pressure's coming, the pressure's coming. I know you've had pressure, but it's coming. You're about to be tested with pressure, and pressure proves your faithfulness, so stay faithful. Listen to me. A calling that has not been tested is a calling that cannot be trusted. God tests us, and at times we have to go through stuff to prove our faithfulness. Amen? Amen? You don't really know that you have faith until your faith is tested. As much as it sucks, y'all, sometimes it's got to get worse before it gets better. I wrote this down. I thought it was so good. I heard it this week. A real man, I'm going to say, or woman, (laughs) is a man or woman that passes the breaking point and doesn't break. I like that. A real man is a man that passes, or woman, some of y'all looking at me crazy, is a person that passes the breaking point and doesn't break. Because when you can pass the breaking point, it usually leads to your breakthrough. Anybody want some breakthrough this morning? Y'all quiet today. I should be preaching at a different church. I'm just kidding, you Listen, pressure 
improves. Anybody ever, <laughs> anybody ever go a long time without going to the gym? And then you decided, you know what? January 1st is here. I ain't going to be fat in 2022. So what you do is you, you start going to the gym, January 1, right? And then what you do, you get at the gym and you're like, phew, phew, no fat, no fat, no fat. What, you kill yourself. Aren't you, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You can't keep going. I ain't going to be fat. It's going to be a good year. Beast body 2022, baby. And you're going at it. And you're going at it. And you kill yourself. I shouldn't have wore the jacket. You kill yourself at the gym and then you go to work. And you're at work. And you're sitting in your chair and you're moving. You're like, oh, God. So I'm like, hey, bro, you need me to call the doctor? No, I went to the gym today. You get up the next morning, oh my gosh, I got this, I got this, day two, day two, I ain't gonna be fat this year. Okay, day two is stretch day, day two is stretch day, so we're gonna stretch today. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Day two is stretch day, I got this, I'm gonna keep going. Day two, I can get a couple push-ups in while I go. <laughs> going back to work. I'm going back to work. You know what? You, you're dying. You, what you want? You're under some pressure. Golly, y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm out of shape. <laughs> you're under some pressure, right? So day three, you get up. Woo! Day three, day three break day, ain't it like Sabbath or something? You go day three. Hey, day three is the devil. You thought day one was bad? Day one, you had the energy, but now you done ripped all your muscles to pieces. Day three, you can't move. And you're going, you know what happens by day five? Day five, number one of two things is going on. Day five, either. Number one, you done decided this is the year and you're pushing through and you're going through and you're keeping the pressure and you're fighting it and you're doing better. Or day five, you say, it's time to go home and eat cake. <laughs> Be spotted 2023, baby. <laughs> because under pressure, when we get this pressure, under pressure, pressure proves what's inside of us. Sometimes it's got to get worse before it gets better. Listen to me. Pressure doesn't just prove my faith. Pressure improves my faith. You know what happens when I do push through and I go a couple months? What happens is you start looking like me. <laughs> that was a joke. I mean, y'all start looking like some of these other people in here that go to the gym. I ain't went to the gym in years. What happens when you push through is you begin to improve your muscles. When you push through in your faith, you begin to improve your faith. When God tells you to do something and you actually do it, then what happens is he begins to trust you with some other things. Pressure not only proves your faith, it improves your faith, which brings me to point number two. Everybody say number two. And that is pressure produces. Pressure produces. Let me give you some examples of what pressure produces. How many of y'all ladies got a nice diamond on your finger? Let me see them. 
Ah, it's all young ladies. Well, a couple, 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 mostly young ladies want to throw up. Everybody wants to brag about why you're young. Listen, you know how that diamond was formed? Under pressure. The diamond was formed. A diamond is, is really just a chunk of coal. Isn't that crazy? A diamond is a chunk of coal that begins to get formed about 100 feet, I think it's feet, about 100 feet underneath the earth's surface. What happens is this hot temperature begins to be some heat on the coal. Anybody ever feel like you got some heat on you? Begins to get some heat on this coal and the pressure around the coal with the heat coming out the coal forms a diamond. Something beautiful comes out of faithfulness under pressure. If you can last under pressure, if you can hold up under pressure, if you can stay with it through the pressure, something good's happening. Somebody say, I received that. You know what else pressure produces? Pressure produces muscles. You know what happens to actually make your muscles bigger? You have to like rip and tear the muscles that you have. You actually have to damage your muscles, crush your muscles in order to get your muscles. I wouldn't know, but some of you would. (laughs) Pressure produces muscles. You know what else pressure produces? Pressure produces wine. Now stay with me here. Grapes left to themselves rot and die. But grapes under just a little bit of pressure. (laughs) Grapes under pressure. (laughs) Y'all notice I didn't practice this. When you take grapes and you put grapes under pressure and you smash the grapes, you know what you create? You begin to create wine. You know that wine can live on and on and on where a grape just, just, just if you leave it out, it's going to die. These things are going to die before tomorrow. When you create and you make wine, what happens is wine gets better and better and better with time. Just like my faith will get better and better and better with time. We got to go through the crushing. We got to go through the, 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 the smushing. We got to go through the stuff that sucks, y'all. But if we can make it. Through the stuff that sucks. What comes out on the other side is some good stuff. Somebody say amen. Amen. Y'all, my shoes is nasty. I probably should have practiced that. I'm sorry, Shane. Now, speaking of wine, there was a a word that was given in the... I'm out of breath. There was a word that was given in the prayer meeting about four weeks ago that, that brought on this message that I want to share with you, and it's good, y'all. It's got me real excited about Clawson's future. Anybody excited about Clawson's future? So probably most everybody knows this, but over the past nine or 10 months, our staff, our deacons, our leadership have been under some pressure. And it's been a lot of pressure to handle. And I don't say that for you to feel sorry for us or anything like that. I said that because it has to do with the word that was given to us. And so the word that was given to us was by Miss Becky. And what she said was, because we have been faithful under the pressure, we're moving into a season of new wine in our church. And then I was thinking to myself when she said, okay, what's that mean? And she begins to explain it. I love this. We're moving into a season of new wine. So here's what she says. 
The season of new wine. Some of y'all, listen, if you receive this, I need y'all to get excited about it. Okay, here we go. The season of new wine means that God's promises at Clawson are being fulfilled and the season of moving into the promised land where our cup runs over is coming. The season, yeah. The season of new wine is a season of miracles. Somebody shout amen. The season of new wine is closer intimacy with God. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's a harvesting season. New wine brings celebration. So it's a season of celebration. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, let's party. Wine is associated with great joy and gladness and celebration and blessing. And so we're moving into a season of joy and gladness and blessing. And I, for one, am excited about it. Anyone want to receive that over our church? Hey, let's do this. Stand with me. Let's just, let's just pray and receive that over our church. Would you just lift your hands? Would you join me? Heavenly Father, would you come to you right now? Would you pray for this? God, we thank you that your word tells us that we, when we're faithful under pressure, that good things are coming. God, we've been faithful through this pressure. God, we've been following you as you've been leading through pressure. Father, and I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would pour out this new wine season. I pray in for our church family right now as they're going through the pressure that they're going through, that you pour out a season of miracles, that you pour out a season of outpouring of the Holy Spirit as we're faithful, Lord. You pour out a season of harvest and celebration. Somebody shout out, I'll receive it. In the name of Jesus, you can, you can be seated. Amen. That sounds good, y'all. And listen, this season is coming out of faithfulness under pressure. Also something that you need to know that I think is important. Thinking about new wine. New wine requires new wine skins. I want you to stay with me because, again, I think this is important. New wine requires new wine skins. Now, for some of you that are like me that thinks about everything logically, how does that have anything to do with us? Again, I want to explain it to you. Mark chapter 2 and verse 22 says this, and no one puts new wine in old wine skins for the wine would burst the wine skins and the wine and the wine skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. So I did some research this week on why the old wineskins burst. And here's why. They can't handle the pressure. I want to let the Holy Spirit speak to you in that. They can't handle the pressure. What are you saying? I'm saying what happens is when you pour new wine into a new wineskin... It has to have a flexible container. And so what happens is, is it stretches out this flexible wineskin. And then if you take and get rid of all of that wine and dump more new wine in it, what happens is because this wineskin has already stretched out, as this new wine begins to stretch the old wineskin, it bursts. And the Bible says that you now lose your wine and your wineskin. Now, what are you saying? Why, why does this have to do with us? I believe as we're moving into a season of new wine, this is a season where we have to be flexible. This is a season where God's saying, 
some of your old mindsets, maybe religious mindsets, maybe spiritual pride, that cannot last with this new wine. Because when I pour my anointing and when I pour my power and when I pour this new wine season into that old wineskin, if you have not shed off that wineskin and made yourself a new wineskin, if you have not given up things that need to be given up, if you have not given up sin, if you are not prepared, and I believe this is a word for some people in our church, if you are not prepared for the new season, you're going to miss it. I want to pour my new wine season in everyone that's in this place. But if you hold on to your old wine skin and you do not allow the new wine to stretch you, then what's going to happen is you're going to burst. You're not going to be able to receive it. And the new anointing that he has for you is going to be wasted. Wow. Somebody say that's a lot. God help us. Here's what I'm praying. God, help us to be led by your Holy Spirit. Help us not to be led by man. Help it not to be Josh's vision for Clawson. God, help us be led by your Holy Spirit. And if something is according to your Holy Spirit, soften our hearts to be able to receive what your Holy Spirit has for us in our church. Amen? I want to go back to our text really quickly. Revelation chapter 2, we're talking about pressure produces. Verses 10 and 11 says, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you a crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand why he is saying to the churches, whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Listen, somebody say pressure produces. Faithfulness to God under pressure produces eternal life. It produces a crown of life. It produces everything that we could possibly want from God. We get when we have faithfulness under pressure. And here's, Here's what I want to close with. Pressure doesn't always produce good things. Pressure produces divorce, alcoholics, drug addicts, parents leaving their kids, fornication, abortion, suicide. The list goes on and on and on. When pressure is applied to our life and we're not faithful, or when pressure is applied to our life and we're not able to handle it, it produces bad things. And so my encouragement to you, church family, no matter if your pressure is coming from something good or if your pressure is coming from your own stupidity today, take this as an encouragement to be faithful to God, to get right with God and to be faithful to God under pressure because when we're faithful under pressure, it produces eternal life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul's talking about the pressures that we will face and here's what he says, verses 8 through 11. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, 
our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you under pressure. Pressure is coming. Pressure proves what we can handle, or maybe I should say what he can handle, which is anything. And pressure produces Would you stand with me this morning? Worship team, I want to ask you to step out and come. Join me on the stage. And here's what I want to close with. I want you to think about this. Listen to me. There is no new wine unless grapes go through a crushing. There's no oil without the crushing of the olive. There's no muscle without the ripping of muscles. There's no victory over sin without the cross. There's no resurrection without first having death. And there's no spiritual growth without us being stretched. Pressure produces great things in our lives when we are faithful. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to begin to lead and guide us. Begin to do the work right now in the name of Jesus. Altar team, would you step out and come right now and prepare to pray with every head bowed and every eye closed. In just a minute, our worship team is going to lead us in a worship song and they're going to lead us in worship. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, maybe this morning you're going through some pressure. Maybe the pressure's good pressure. And you need an encouragement to be faithful. Maybe it's pressure because you've done stupid things. But if you're going through pressure and you need prayer, maybe you're here this morning and you need to get things right with Jesus because you're seeing and you're learning today that, that now is the time of salvation. If you're here and you need to get things right with Christ in just a minute, I want to invite you to come. Maybe you're here and you're believing for God to do something miraculous in your life. If you're here today and you need prayer, Or if you're here today and you want to step out and come release some pressure to God, maybe worship him, love on him. Right now, if the Holy Spirit's leading and pulling and guiding you, would you step out and come? Do not allow Satan to stop you from getting what God wants to give you today. Right now, step out and come and, and they want to pray with you. Let's worship.